Messieurs and mademoiselles, we welcome you all tonight. And now we invite you to pull up a chair while therapy proudly presents your psychosis. <laughs> Eat your stress. Eat your stress. Put your belt to the test. Tie that feedback on your face, Sherry, and we provide the rest. You know. <laughs> I love Well, thank you for your patience. Yeah, oh, thanks for bearing with us. I was trying to figure things. I was trying to figure shit out on this end too. <laughs> I think, yeah, we just have like this curse when we have guests on. Oh my god, <laughs> it's fine. It's just us. We don't have issues. Well, now Actually, and you know now, you, and now, well, because you're using an audio recorder just for the two of you, and then you're probably using this with for guests, and right. now you know that Google's muted, so that's the problem. We have actually had issues trying to record with Zencaster before yeah. too, because we our our podcast technically started before the pandemic, well before the lockdown started, mm -hmm. but we only got one episode out, and yeah. then quarantine started, so we had to like struggle through that. And our first couple of times, I remember one night we we spent four hours in total, I think, to but be just like to be totally oh, wow. clear though, we were drunk. <laughs> And oh, yeah, that's true. editing that was awful. <laughs> I had to go through four hours of audio and I cut it down to an hour and a half. Go you, you're a queen. <laughs> was, well, there were like large gaps where we were both going to the bathroom or getting food or something. Oh, yeah. Because we were just wasted on that episode. I think that was I, like our second one. During, <laughs> during football season, um, I get the raw audio from the Monday Night Coaches show. And I got to chunk it down to the pregame and then chunk it down even further for halftime. Yeah, I, that's like that sounds a couple exhausting. hours. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been there. I used to get, um, when I worked at WHIO, we would get the um, Sunday church service from, oh, the Methodist Church, Salem United Methodist Church. Okay. Uh, and, oh, I had to cut that whole thing down to make it fit in a half hour. And all I got were like time codes. I'm like, oh, you suck. Oh, no. It was cool, though, because I worked overnight. I'm like, okay, this is this is kind of my church for right now. I was going to say, Methodists, they're not the kind that like really talk a lot through the sermon, though, are they? No, I, usually I the grew sermons up Methodist. Are, I grew up Baptist. Usually I'm, the sermons are around about 20 minutes, give or take. Right. I Like, I, I've been to a variety of churches because of my stepfather. He kind of dragged us around. Um but like I technically grew up Methodist. That's what my grandparents were. And it was all just very like quiet, just sitting there and listening to the sermon and mm -hmm. quietly singing our hymns. And then we're done. Yep. And then but, I've been to churches where every third word that the preacher says, somebody goes, oh, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I went to Drug my great, <laughs> my great aunt Vi drug me to um, her Southern Baptist one day. And it was the only time I've ever walked out of a church with a headache. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh hell no! Literally, <laughs> mm -hmm. I remember I my, we were at my when my great uncle Fred died. We were at his; he was Lutheran, and so we were at the the funeral at the Lutheran. And my grandfather, who was next in line for his funeral, um, was sitting there in his wheelchair next to me. <laughs> One of the few times the man would actually sit next to me, he was sitting next to me. And then all of a sudden I hear, and I look at him and he's got a beer in his hand and I'm looking at him. He's like, what? Fred would want it this way. I'm like, I'm not looking at you in doubt. I'm asking you where the hell's mine. 
sounds great. I always tell my friends that when I die, like, I want everyone to get wasted and just have a nice time. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, my body's to be brought out 20 minutes late. <laughs> With Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> no, Casanos. <laughs> I like that. Casanos and Coca-Cola. Yeah, I told Brody I want to be composted. He didn't think oh, that was nice. very cute. <laughs> I want to be a tree. He doesn't like talking yeah, about that. Hey, there's actually, they do that. I mean. In the Pacific Northwest, which is where I'm going to end up anyway, so yeah. it's perfect. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, em and I want to be uh, cremated and spread in the Outer Banks, North Carolina. Yeah, I love the Outer Banks. They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah we're actually there. going again here. Not too awful long. Well, you've been to Hilton Head, but I'm pretty I have sure that's pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. We went to, uh, over spring break, we went down to Florabama. Florabama. It's the Florida-Alabama line, and it's like a really family-oriented beach. But they're okay. still kind of rebuilding from the last set of hurricanes. Right. Um, but it's like, we actually fell in love with it. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to be back. That's awesome. Maybe next time we'll fly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you drove? Yeah. Should we do our intro? <laughs> All right. So we're going to start now. <laughs> okay. Hi. Welcome to Goodreads Better Friends. Yay. We're so excited. We have our second guest. It's our poetry papa. <laughs> yes. We call him the poetry papa. I don't yes. know if he knows that. He probably doesn't. <laughs> well, you don't I, know. That's the first time I've heard you guys say that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you both as my daughters. <laughs> you really, you're a joy in the poetry slam. Yeah, seriously. Uh, we should probably say your name. It's uh, Link Shriver. Did I say that right? Yes. I, okay. Everyone calls me Link, L-I-N-K, like chain, like Zelda, like sausage. I, I love it. Zelda. Yeah, yeah, I always think of Zelda. I was thinking for the picture, I could like Photoshop his head onto Link. <laughs> I think that's perfect. We're gonna have that would that. be awesome. <laughs> By the I way, tried to get, I needed a new umbrella a few a month back and I tried to get the master sword umbrella, but oh, my yeah. wife, my wife goes, I have my limits. Like, <laughs> You can do as much nerd things as you want, but you're not carrying around a sword umbrella. (laughs) Unless it's an umbrella that has a sword in it. I have the gayest umbrella. It is a literal rainbow. And every time I pull it out, I just get happy. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Everyone comes. Oh, yes. (laughs) My daughter has a unicorn one. My youngest has a unicorn umbrella. And it's just... How can you be sad with that jumping through right. puddles? I think exactly. we should all have umbrellas that make us happy because yeah. rainy days are gloomy enough. So they have to bring us joy. All right. So I guess back to the show. <laughs> you can expect lots of tangents. Oh, yeah. Of course. Um, yeah. So Link is one of the main people at the Dayton Poetry Slam. You're one of the, what do we call you? The host? The triad. One uh, of the triad. Technically, if I guess if you want to, uh, Slam Master is, I Slam. guess, my technical title. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, sort of like Dungeon Master, but it's Slam Master. Yeah. Well, I mean, for years through Poetry Slam Incorporated, that was the title of the person that oh. ran the Poetry Slams. Okay. Um, but, you know, it's myself, Jonathan, and um, and Very Quiet cool. Storm. I'm not going to okay. use your government name. Um <laughs> But, um, and yeah, that and, and Quiet Storm does all of our bookings, um, 99% of our bookings. She's, She's damn good with it, uh-huh. amazing. And she does some uh, awesome flyers. And Jonathan does a lion's share of our social media, like Facebook, because I'm not on Facebook, so he does all the Facebook. Um, I do, he does a lot of Instagram, and I do, I handle the Twitter because I'm always on Twitter. Um, <laughs> 
hence why I'm not on Facebook. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah. And then, and then he does a lot of venue. Uh, he does, he's our liaison with the venue with cool. uh, yellow cab tavern and the venue's amazing too. Yeah. We love yellow Gosh, cab. Yeah, I love yellow cab. I didn't know it existed before I started going to the poetry. Yeah. Slam, nobody does. But... That's, that's, you know, that's, I'm not saying nobody does, but it's, it is, it's definitely way. a hidden gem. Right. That's why I, I do try to take people there that like when I go out with people that I rarely go out with anybody that's not Aisha anyways, but, <laughs> but when I do go out with people that I don't go to the poetry slams with, I, um, I try to always take them to the yellow cab because mm-hmm. it is, it's well, a pizza bandit alone. Yeah. The pizza bandit's amazing. They usually have that, uh, that vegan little truck there too, the food truck and, um, sprouted dreams. Sprouted dreams that's it. Yeah. yeah. And I saw that waffles been there a lot too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah Duncan, Duncan waffle. waffle. That's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And um, the, what is it? The wild, wild banana. I they seen make, that they do like smoothies. Ooh, okay. Yeah. I mean, we used to go there. My wife and the kids and I would go there all the time for the food truck rallies. Mm, yeah. Also, just the like events that they usually have, like the '90s nights or like yeah. cats on the deck or dogs or whatever. And um, Lady Fest. Yeah, my Lady favorite. Fest was the best. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. I hope it happens this year because last year was a huge hole. Yeah, it was I a agree. huge hole in my life. 2020 yeah. was a giant hole of yeah, suckitude. It was. It was. I gotta say, I feel like I got a lot out of 2020, but it still just feels like a black spot. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> I feel like I don't remember any of it. <laughs> I, my wife did an amazing job. She. It was her goal to make sure that we didn't feel as if the year had been wasted or the year was, I mean, she did everything she could to really bring that year up. And she did, she did an amazing job and she lasted the longest of anybody I knew before she had a breakdown, (laughs) you know, before, before we've all had it. We've all had that breakdown at some point of like, fuck. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Am I allowed to cuss? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Cussing <laughs> friendly. It's just, you know, it's like she lasted the longest, like, you know, almost a year. I, I think it was October before she really yeah, that's good then. had that. Yeah. Because my, my first one was, when did quarantine start? Uh, March. March uh, yeah. My, my first one was March 23rd. No, I'm just kidding. I had a lot of uh, brain fog for yeah. a while. I was having a hard time, like, with work. And yeah. Yeah, I think it was mostly a zombie. Yeah, a for a while, I felt like I couldn't think straight. I couldn't do anything. And I would, like, take depression naps after work. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, no, I have to do something. So right. well, that's when I kind of started to pick up. But it took it's, a while. It's interesting. I'm an online I'm an online college professor. I've been online. Y'all, like, I live here. Y'all just visiting. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Like, there's a reason I have a studio mic here and a studio camera that I, I work with. You know, it's just the thing, the biggest transition for me is the fact that I, that I, there's no longer such a thing as a quiet house. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I think that's why my roommate and I decided not to move in together because <laughs> we were going to wait one more year before we decided to move out together. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, no. <laughs> in like a couple of weeks. Because <laughs> like, I think we were like, Getting to that point where we we're ready to kill each like other. Like it's not contentious necessarily, but you just need your space. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. Exactly. And we were not leaving the house because we were so paranoid yeah. at all. So oh yeah. Getting sick of each other. <laughs> all right. Do we want to get into this? Our first question yeah. to our guests is usually something along the lines of, 
what has been your most influential book or your favorite book or just a book that you've really loved lately or just tell um, us about a book that's important to you? I think my kid took it. I don't have the original copy with me, but um, it, Fox and Socks. Fox you and know, Socks. There's a reason I do that so much that I do that and I speed read through it at the Poetry Slams. Uh, yeah. It's because it was my absolute, it was that book and Monster at the end of this book. Oh, yeah. With El- I, is that with Elmo? I, no, no, no. The original one was Grover. Grover, that's Gus it. Gus Grover. And I, that sparked reading for me. I mean, that was that was it. I remember that was, those were the first books I read by myself. Oh, was, I love that. Was, Fox and Socks and Monster in this book. So much so when it was the 30 or 40th anniversary, because that book, people don't realize Monster in this book was published, I think, in the 60s. Oh, man. It's an old book. In fact, I got to look that up so I so I know that I'm not crazy. <laughs> That's a pretty avant-garde like plot line for a book written that long ago oh, for children, too. <laughs> 1971. So I was not very far off. So 1971, it was an anniversary of when the book had been published and whoever runs the Twitter account for Grover. Um, it was one of those times where, you know, we're in social media, one of those times where you're just in the right place at the right time mm-hmm. or something fun. Whoever runs the Grover Twitter account posted the first line. And I just happened to be there the second it came up. And uh-huh. I was like, what did that say? And just he and I went like whoever again. I I I'm not saying it's a he, but whomever runs that Twitter account, we did the whole book. Just like, quoted the whole. So do you have the book memorized? Uh, no, I do not no. have the book memorized. <laughs> um, nor do I have uh, Fox and Socks memorized. Um, but no, it's okay. it's one of my 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 both of my kids have loved hearing me read that book um over and over again oh i love that i will not buy the second one because elmo is a monster (laughs) um no no i'm just kidding you know the second one's cute too but uh and it's funny one of the first things that we watched on hbo max they did a monster at the end of this book show it wasn't a whole show it was one it's one episode um, and you know, of course they add a whole bunch of stuff. Cause that was the first thing, like I'm sitting there, I'm watching it with the kids and they're like, that wasn't in the book. That, that wasn't in the book. I'm like, Oh, you're being taught now. <laughs> so the book is always better. It's always better. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but no, I, like those two books sparked reading for me. And I don't know what, like Fox and Socks isn't any different than any other Dr. Seuss book, except for the immense amount of rhyming. And like, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, how many books do you get? There's a warning in front of, you know, there's Wait, actually there two depending upon the edition you get. I have to go find this book. That's so <laughs> funny. Like, yeah, I think we all have our Dr. Seuss books that we like identified with the most. Mine, mine was always go dog, go. There's yeah, a in my that's pocket. the one that there's a walk in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Like, I feel like there's one that like our parents read to us the most or something. And my youngest, it's it's um, my youngest, it's uh, Cat in the Hat. Stri- the Cat in the Hat comes back. Oh, okay, he likes the Cat in the Hat comes back way better than the original Cat in the Hat. I love that. 
Um, and for my oldest, she probably won't admit it now, but my oldest at the time, it was um, Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah. But only because of the way I would read it. Yeah. Um, or, you know. Sam sounded like Stitch. I am Sam. <laughs> do you like green eggs and ham? I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like <laughs> Would you like them here or there? I would not like them anywhere. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, that would be my favorite too if somebody read it to me like that. <laughs> You're the best. Oh my god. Oh my god. That was great. <laughs> that was really good. <clears throat> Did you have any other books that were particularly formative to you? You know, I remember uh, in in elementary school being immensely fond of the boxcar children. And and it's weird thinking on it now. I read the first one not too long and and i don't think it's one of those books that don't translate it just doesn't translate well you know especially into modern audiences in modern times because you're reading that book going where's children's services <laughs> yeah <laughs> these kids were all orphaned in seven like five of them and everyone forgot them like <laughs> what the hell like wait a minute how do these kids go from you know, having parents living in this nice place to in the woods in a box car using a stream for refrigeration. <laughs> Jesus. How does that happen? You got to suspend your disbelief when it comes to children's books, I guess. <laughs> oh, true. Absolutely. I mean, it's like, who dropped the ball there? Somebody. <laughs> I love it. One of the box car children was super famous. At second and Charles, we always had bundles of them because the kids loved them. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah, I mean, they there were so many. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. I think the original writer writer did at least seven or eight, um, if I'm remembering right, and then other people took them over. Uh, I know they're just there was new additions not long ago. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Got to yeah. keep cashing in on those things. No, and, and <laughs> speaking of which, when I was eight, and and I I bought this for Violet. And she's not reading it because she's just about to turn seven. She's a little young. Right. Um, but I got her uh, an illustrated version of The Hobbit. Oh, that's so cool. So, Start them early. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Start them early. Oh, and they're really cool. Ready. They're ready to I get want that. that. <laughs> Amazon. I mean, I don't go to bookstores <laughs> yet. I, I, I just got my second shot. <laughs> um no, again, this is uh, the illustrations was d- were done by uh, Jamima Caitlin or Catlin. So they're really neat. They're really nice. Um, and it's just it's the Hobbit. It's, you know, what else can be said about the damn Hobbit? That's awesome. Yeah. So, Get them started early. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. She wasn't as interested. And I was like, oh, because <laughs> um, we, we watched the old Rankin Bass animated one together oh yeah and she really liked it but then she was like oh well i I bought this for her thinking oh okay so i don't know if you can see oh i love that yeah so they're they're really nice um they're really nice uh animation they're little illustrations in there but i remember reading the hobbit when i was eight and then that sparked on you know the dune series um I'm going to read that soon, Dune. <laughs> yeah. Do you know the last podcast on the left, guys, are doing like a deep dive of the Dune books right now? Yeah, I've had some, there's a friend of mine that wants me to come in uh, and do a podcast with him about that. Um, I I only have one Dune book now, and that was like, it's like um, 
Oh, it was a revival book series that his son was writing in the 2000s. Um, and I got a copy through the radio, an advanced copy through the radio station that nobody wanted. And they just handed it to me. So here, read it, which I loved. It was awesome to get. I took it to have him sign it. Like he was doing a book signing at, on base. And so my friend okay. took me on base and we went over and he looked at me really weird. And he looked at the, he goes, how did you get this? No one's supposed to have this. And he got really mad because I didn't know that um, those advanced book copies are supposed to be destroyed. Um, really? In a lot of cases, nobody either, destroys them. You're either <laughs> supposed to. You're either because they're not always not always finished. So um, some a lot of times you're supposed to send them back, or if they don't indicate they want them back, you're supposed to destroy them so that you don't have this weird aberration variant you know like the the harry potter sorcerer's stone with the misprints you know what i have probably at least at least 10 advanced reader books in my <laughs> in my go. collection because i mean because working for a bookstore too like we got our hands in, on those yeah we're not allowed oh, to yeah. resell them mm -hmm. or anything mm -hmm. um because like you know we worked at second and charles so people bring in their used books and we weren't allowed to ever buy advanced readers from people but uh, yeah, they'd get sent to us and we'd, they'd just be like, take these home. So there you go. <laughs> and, and I'd be lying that to, if I didn't mention how much as an adult, uh, Harry Potter sparked me back into reading. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I have to I have to throw that one out. I had I had the UK editions, mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I lost them in a unfortunate split up. So. Oh, no. <laughs> No, that's so sad. And that's the Harry Potter. I've lost, I've, I've lost my favorite books from split ups too, and it's the yeah. worst. Well, I mean, I've got a, I've got a set of the hardcovers, and I've been getting the illustrated ones. Yeah, so. those are so beautiful. Really oh yeah, I mean, it's easier to sit down with the kiddos and mm -hmm. go through a chapter. They just, you know, they're they're that age. I mean, you know, Nora's reading. My oldest is reading books without pictures. Obviously, you know, mm -hmm. she's almost a teenager, but still it's easier to sit and read with them if there's something for them to look at. Right. I've wanted to collect the Harry Potter um, animated books. They're kind of pricey. Yeah. If oh, ever, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. every time I look at them, I'm like, I know I want this, but can I spend it? I used to spend <laughs> whole shifts at Second and Charles just flipping through them. <laughs> yeah. They're so nice, but I'm like, oh, we could yeah. the money. <laughs> and and then, of course, I, I'd be remiss if I did not mention, you know, in my learning to read the one of the instrumental things. Oh, hold on. That whole shelf there mm -hmm. and that whole shelf there are all graphic novels. Okay, so awesome. I, I, in all honesty, I learned to read graphic novels before I learned to read regular novels other than The Hobbit. Cool. So what, what were your starters or favorites? A lot of the Will Eisner spirit books, you know, because Will Eisner kind of originated the idea of a graphic novel. There was one, like, and all they were were the issues of the spirit collected together, which if you look at a lot of graphic novels now, that's what a good chunk of them are, mm -hmm. are just, they're just um, collections of specific issues. DC puts them out all the time um, where they're just, oh, they're, you know, there's this major run in comics, so they collect them all. Um, I got a lot of them back there because I'm a DC addict. Um, Good. <laughs> yeah. 
In fact, actually, one of the books I just finished was um, Batman Damned and just a really good series from uh, Brian Azzarello and uh, Lee Bramello, Bramejo. I took the cover off because I'm okay. screwy with dust covers. Um, but yeah, it's Batman Damned. And it's it was a collection from the DC Darkliners. And if you've ever read, they the, this team did a book... 10 plus years ago called Joker. And there was a lot that the rumor was, is it was what was going to, it was what Chris Nolan wanted to do for the third Batman film. Had Heath Ledger lived, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, having aspects of the Joker in there and it's very human. It's very, you know, based in human life. It's also one of the most disturbing books I've ever read. That's um, why I like DC. <laughs> Do yeah. you know who the author of that one was? Same same group. Uh, it was uh, Brian Azzarello and uh, Lee Bermejo. B-E-R-M-E-J-O. And M-E-J-O. yeah, they've done like three or four different books together. Uh, but the art style, Joker is movingly disturbing. Um, and this Batman Damned is kind of like a sequel to it. Um okay. So it's very, very fascinating. But the Will Eisner, the spirit books, you know, the man who could fly. Uh, that was always one of them. As a child, this man realized he could fly. But then everyone told him, no, you can't fly. No, you can't fly. And it was really a great commentary. And even then as a kid, I picked that up. That was a commentary. It's like, don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. Like you know. That obviously most of us can't fly um, unless we're on specific illicit uh, materials (laughs) in case only our mind is flying. Um, But that's always, it's always struck me that some of these writers find amazing ways to slip in messages Mm -hmm. that are for pieces that are ultimately aimed at kids, even if they don't want them to be like books like Watchman or Watchmen and, um, the Dark Knight Returns and things along those lines. Uh, and even, the, you know, I grew up with the Adam West Batman. Mm-hmm. So, you know, remember, it wasn't until 89 when Tim Burton came out and completely <laughs> blew my world away. <laughs> so, like, it was That'd amazing to see weird. them get those messages into into yeah. those books, the writers. Yeah. We were just talking about that because I was telling her that I had a VHS tape with Batman Begins on it with Michael <laughs> Keaton because that's my favorite Batman movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, now I just want to go through and get all those comics. There are just so many different, like almost parallel universes with the Batman and the Joker, like the whole oh, yeah. story that it's kind oh. of hard to figure out where to start and where to stop. You want to talk about, well, ever- it's, it's interesting. You want to talk about good parallel universe stuff. It sounds so weird, but I just went through the trilogy of Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I love the team. There are three. There are three books. Uh, the three, three collect, three volumes of it, and oh my god, they were so much fun. And it's one of those, you know, where they make they've been making the animated movies out of the books, and that's one of them that holds up extremely well. It's that animated movie so much fun the books are so much fun i love those you know uh, you know books like that you know yeah i've got dark knight returns uh and then its first sequel i wasn't i, I had a real problem with um frank miller coming out with a book called batman the master race 
Uh, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, I think Nightfall, Night's Quest, Night's End. Um, the collected. I I was there. I got Batman issue five hundred because I was working at a comic book shop at the time. Um, I got Batman issue five hundred, and then where they've. I'm like, wait, this is a different guy in the cowl. It was the first time there was ever that concept that batman was an idea not a person yeah um and that that's played really prevalently in a lot of media today where they just got done with a great run in comics um i I believe it was called the other batman where you know batman was black you know it was a completely Mm -hmm. different person not not bruce wayne at all um and marvel's played with that too with uh you know um with miles morales who yeah, I think, I in all honesty, I think Miles Morales is probably one of the most important comic book cr- characters created in the last 20 years. And everyone should watch Into the Spider-Verse because I freaking loved it. It is Violet's favorite movie. I love it. It really, really. And the weird thing is I saw that movie with the girls the day I got my new glasses. <laughs> so my eyes were still getting adjusted to the glasses. So you know, into the spider verse looks like a comic book. So things are out of focus. Colors are strange. I kept going, what the hell are wrong with these glasses? (laughs) Like, am I tripping? What's going on? (laughs) That's great. I think think I'm going crazy. Um, (laughs) Let me see here. What are some other really good? Um, Oh, under the red hood. (gasps) I love under the red hood. Under the red hood series. That's my favorite. I Um, have that on DVD somewhere around here. American Gods. Yeah, American Gods is a great collection too. It's not DC. It's uh, Dark Horse. Um, I read that book. Is that based off of Neil Gaiman? Yeah. Yeah. Because I was gonna buy those from. Man, I missed my twenty percent off in Second and um, Charles. Because I, I was gonna buy those. The man, Batman, the man who laughs. It's a retelling of the Joker's or not the Joker's origin, but the first time the Joker appears. Mm-hmm. So it's a retelling of that one. That's an excellent one. Batman Thrill Killer 66. That Elseworlds, uh, Elseworlds tale that I love that one. And um, let me see here. What's another really, really. Am- oh, so everyone likes to shit on the new 52. And I agree, New 52 was horrible with DC rebooted everything um, and got it all wrong. Um, <laughs> not necessarily got it wrong. They took they took a chance. They took a big chance. It, it got them a lot of publicity, but then they realized, eh, we screwed up. Um, there was a, when t- uh, Dick Grayson was Batman for a while in that, <laughs> and there was a collection they did called Black Mirror. It, it wasn't... I mean, everyone looks at the Court of Owls as as like the definitive Batman New 52 story, which Court of Owls was an amazing story. But Black Mirror was it was one of those stories where it's not necessarily a specific major villain, you know, and those are the best. Those were always the best Batman stories, you know, um, Neil Adams in the 70s and Dennis O'Neill in the seventies and eighties where they would focus more on the detective aspects of Batman Mm -hmm. uh, instead of just, okay, what super villain are we pulling out this week? Oh, we haven't heard from the Riddler in six months. Here we go. Mm -hmm. You know, things along those lines, Uh, which, you know, I always, Riddler is always my favorite villain. Um, 
so it's always it's always interesting to get those those are i think the best some of the best batman stories and dark mirror is is somewhere right around there um trying to think what other really the earth one series ultimate spider-man i've got the complete ultimate spider-man um trying to think what else that are just I'm just so happy you said Under the Red Hood. That's my favorite. Like, I've never even heard of that. Oh my god, I'm it's so, so good. good when it comes to- oh, Long Halloween and Dark Victory. They're actually getting ready to come out with a animated version of Dark um, Long Halloween and Dark Victory. So that was Tim Sally um, or Tim Sale. Those are the. Those are the, I think striking differences in animations like you know for example i couldn't stand in the early 2000s uh mcginnis took over drawing and every superhero looked like a roided out maniac (laughs) i'm like there's no way that's humanly possible to look superman is the only person that should look like everybody looked like like somebody had took an air compressor and put it in their nipples and blew up every muscle in their body. I'm like, Oh, come on. And then I've got, I got a couple more interesting ones coming. Like, you know, the, the Batman who laughs series, I've got that coming in soon. And then the um, Batman last night, I love the comic series that focuses on the end of the world. For some reason, I don't know why I think they're very fascinating. There was, there was a Hulk issue called Hulk the end. Um, and it was Marvel did this series called the end and it was like Iron Man at the end of the world. Uh, and (laughs) yeah. And Hulk, the end Hulk is literally the last person on earth. You know, he, no, that's what he wants, (laughs) but it's, it's so fascinating because that's what the Hulk wanted. That's what he's always wanted in the comics was to be left the hell alone. (laughs) And and so he finally got what he want. He's the last person on earth, but he still has to deal with turning back into Banner on occasions. Um, <laughs> and the whole thing is about he and Banner start recording messages back and forth to each other about how much they hate each other. And Banner's <laughs> like, let me die for Christ's sakes. I'm 135. I like that. Yeah, I'm actually interested. Yeah, I'm interested in that too. What's that one called? Hulk, uh, Hulk the End. All right. What's our next question? Um, we wanted to ask you about your writing and your poetry, and at what age you became interested in writing. Your po- just interested in poetry in general, I guess, not necessarily even writing. I guess I've always kind of been interested in poetry. It was always, you know, I, I just again, Doctor Seuss, Dr. Um, you know, Fox and Socks, and all of the Doctor Seuss books. Um, I've always enjoyed, you know, poetry along those lines. Um, and we would create little books as a kid, but just little storybooks uh, mm-hmm. and writing along those lines. I don't just write poetry, but I primarily write poetry. Okay. Um, I haven't done any short stories or flash fiction for a while. If you but, do, you, you should know. submit them to the podcast. Uh-huh. <laughs> you should submit them to us so that we can share it. Oh, <laughs> if you okay. write like a flash fiction piece. There you go. But, you know, it's probably fourth grade i really started writing more poems just little ab rhyme scheme like everybody starts off with uh and then in seventh grade i kind of got i got like a little publishing award like they got they gave me a little award in seventh grade i think i got like a free pizza or something or it was like you know 
something small along those lines. And then um, we had a, a writing organization in my high school um, called Writer Circle. And I won an award through Writer Circle. And I just kind of joined that group uh, and helped edit their yearly anthology edition. Uh, and kind of help build that up. Um, and then those, those poems were always horrible. <laughs> where, did you, where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? Springfield. Springfield. Okay, cool. Yeah, I traveled so far. Actually, I've been to every state except Alaska and Hawaii. But okay. like, yeah, I traveled so far. I came from Springfield to Dayton. <laughs> Whopping 34 minutes. <laughs> if you okay. make the traffic lights. <laughs> um no, I, I was trying to debate going up to Columbus and then, or moving down here to Dayton. Um, and I was at the time, I just got out of college. I was trying to find a job in radio. Mm-hmm. So it was literally, I had probably 10 applications through Columbus and I had an application to every radio station group in Dayton. So it was like, okay, who's going to hire me first? That's great. You know, whatever city hires me first, that's the city I moved to. Mm-hmm. So was it WHIO where you ended up getting? Uh, WHKO, uh, K99 hired me on first. It was the same group. It was all, you know, all those stations in one building. Mm-hmm. Okay. I went on a field trip to all of those little radio stations and television stations in high school because I did interactive media where we did like television and music production and it was great. That's it so was cool. three periods a day too, and we would just oh nice clown around making little movies and songs. Was that the newer? Had- was that the newer building? The one over on Main Street? No, this is at Fairmont. No, no. The which which Cox Radio did you go to? Which oh, ooh, gosh, I think it's the one ch- that was. Um, it's just the Cox Media one. That's oh uh, God. What is that street? It's over by UD. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the, uh, the building I was in was like the original, you know, it wasn't the original. It was the second building they had built um, that was over on Smithville across from the stand, the donut man. Now it's like a oh, U-Haul okay. storage place, yeah. Um, yeah. but it used to be, it used to be WHIO, both the television and the radio. Cool. Yeah. But yeah. I worked there for, they hired me on and I worked there for five years. Nice. How'd you end up being a uh, a college professor? Well, I had been. It's actually started with a Dayton Poetry Slam. Um, really? Yes. So I, I my know. my you know my friend Lane Martin, um, we were going to taking a lot of poetry classes together at Wright State, and we were doing a poetry reading together. We weren't hosting it. We just would show up. It was basically they they'd put the mic up and then whoever wanted to host that night was going to host that night. Um, oh, cool. Where was, was this? Uh, oh, it was a place in a little coffee shop in Springfield that doesn't exist anymore. Um, I keep wanting to say the Rat Skeller, but that was the food place at the at Wright State at the time. Yeah, that was at Wright State. Um, I cannot remember the name of the coffee shop because I remember having all these weird pops. I'm, I'm like <laughs> looking up this now to find you know old school name, but it. It was just a hole in the wall little shop. Yeah, that's the best place to have an open mic poetry. Yeah, totally. And and you know, it was poetry and music and whatever anybody wanted to to do. You know, whatever anybody wanted to talk about or get up on a microphone and have fun with it. That's what they did. 
And so we were doing that along with uh, a poet named John DeSellum, who's no longer with us. And we were just having a lot of fun doing that. And he kept telling me about this poetry slam. Come to the Dayton Poetry Slam. We kept trying to. Um, and then one night, UD was hosting Lit Fest. We both, we heard about the money. We heard the, the amazing talent that was going to be there. So we went to Lit Fest. And I was just flabbergasted by seeing that poetry slam at lit fest we were in the old kennedy union bar and it was asses to elbows absolutely <laughs> packed into that place um you know the old line is you know you needed to get two beers and you better drink them fast because they were going to be hot by the time you got back to your seat Jesus. and i was like oh and, and i then lane was like see what i was telling you about and like hey there's one here in dayton so we went to dayton we went to the dayton slam at the time it was at canal street tavern mm-hmm. three months later i had been i was going every time i was going every show and three months later uh bill abbott and who was the founder announced that he was moving back to chattanooga tennessee and so they had a big election over who was going to take over the poetry slam and i ran for it reluctantly i ran for it and i won having only been there three months i love it i I won i won the election and i've been now 19 years that's great so here I am, you know, all these years doing this and I've done shows for UD. I've done shows for Wright State and I'm a Wright State alum. So I went over and I knew they only had one poetry guy, one main poetry guy in there. I mean, other professors that were, were doing fiction writing also would t- teach poetry, but it was really just Dr. Gary Pacernick was the only real you know, doing a lot of the poetry, heavy lifting. So I was like, Hey, I wonder if they would let me teen teach with Gary. Like we had talked about it. I'm like, I wonder if they would let me teen teach with Gary or how I could get into teaching poetry workshops and things along those lines. Cause I had reached the limit of what I could do as a slam poet. I, I kind of hit that limit. So I was like, okay, well let me see how I can change this. Let me see how I can alter things to, to, change my trajectory and the the chair at the time said well you don't have the master's degree that we require to come in to teach but we can give you one and they brought me in on the um graduate teaching assistant program but he was bringing me in because i was a figurehead in the community and all of the other teachers basically it turned out to be, I, there was a big battle about me. There was a big debate about bringing me in and whether or not they wanted me there. So it was very, I found that out later on that, you know, yeah, he goes, I've never, I had to go in an interview and, and the head of the graduate study at the time says, this has never happened. (laughs) He just walked in like, Hey, a lot of these folks were saying no, and the rest of the folks were going, yeah, you know, so mm-hmm. the people that knew me were like, yeah, let's bring Lincoln. This should be fun. Um, I don't think any of them actually expected me to be as serious of a student as I was because mm-hmm. uh, I was doing overnight radio and then I was doing all day classes. So I was burning everything I could to get through. Um, and then that's how that's how it happened. That's how I became a, a professor. That's awesome. So, that you know, really I went over to Sinclair. I got hired in through Sinclair, you know, thanks to Faraha Henry. 
um, got me in at Sinclair and I've taught it every branch Sinclair has. I filled hit my bingo card there and I taught, I've taught at UD. I've taught at Wilberforce university. I've taught at central state university. I taught for, I was there on the ITT, the uh, ITT tech Titanic as it was going down. Um, (laughs) And then I've been, um, I've been at my current position for some time now. That's awesome. He's at the ITT Tech Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm in it too. <laughs> oh, man. What do you, do you have a question? Yeah. Do you have any like uh, favorite poets who inspires you or who has inspired you? Oh, Billy Collins quite a bit. Mm. Um, Scott Woods. Oh yeah. Yeah. Scott Woods absolutely. Um Kim Braswell, um Rachel Wiley. Oh yeah. God. That's the goddess I worship. Danny, you know, Danny Solis, Taylor Molly, I would say that with a grain of salt, Taylor Molly. You know, Louise Robinson, I just a lot of the local poets I have been blessed to encounter and and still talk to and still encounter quite a bit. Um but I, I, you know, I try not to just stick myself to one poet if right. I, can, if I can, of course, you know, there are poets, I have all of their books, you know, they're all the materials they've put out. Hanif, uh, Abdur Rakib, I would be lying if I didn't say I have all of his stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, but I have, I have so many collections of poetry, you know, and just, it's, it's funny. Every time somebody comes in with a book, I, I end up with that book. So I, love that. I have so many, that's what that, um, no, that top shelf is not, it's over here at this bookshelf on this side that you can't see that whole bottom <laughs> shelf is nothing but poetry chat books and, yeah. and little small books that, that traveling poets have come through and either given me or I've bought or things along those lines. Um, cause that was the, actually when I worked in overnight radio, that was the nice part of having features was that normally when you're on a poetry tour, you know, especially back in the days you were, you, you're on a poetry tour, you're lucky to get a couch to mm-hmm. sleep on or an inflatable bed was really nice, uh, to get on. But when you were in Dayton, you got a bed, uh, you got my bed because <laughs> I would throw new sheets on for you and, and, and lice all the bed down. And there you go. And <laughs> I'll be back in eight hours because I'm going to work. That's awesome. So I remember one poet coming in, Don Saylor, just crying. It's like, I haven't been in a bed in I don't know how long because oh, you've been on man. tour for like two or three months. Right. You know, going from one venue to the next to the next, which that's the way you used to do it. You know, I, it's amazing. And I think it's one of the reasons why I don't want to book people because everyone's got a talent agent now. And I'm like, what the hell? Really? A talent agent? <laughs> but yeah, that's, but you know, I have so many, I had, I think I have every best American poetry volume since oh, yeah. 2009. I think I, I think I have them all. And, and if I'm having a bad day or if I need to hear some poetry, I'll just grab it and um, start flipping pages until I have one of my kids go, okay, tell me when to stop. Okay. That's where I'll start. Um, I and I, I used to come in with a, to the slams with a duffel bag full of all of my poetry books. 
uh, and just, Hey, if you want to read something, go grab some OPP, go, oh, go grab cool. other people's poetry. Um, and then I used to, when, if the night were to get slow, I have in my possession. Now it's not up here. It's downstairs. And you should be thankful for that. I have the poem, a, a book of the worst erotic poetry published, <laughs> but it wasn't purposefully put out as bad erotic poetry. Oh my God. Where it did you get that? Happen. Someone left it. Someone left it at a show one night um, because I think they bought it to be tantalized by the wonderful words, but no, nay, nay. The, the book is called, I, have, I used to bring it out and when the night got dull, I would bring out intimate kisses, poetry of sexual pleasure. <laughs> That, that is the title. The title of the book is Intimate Kisses, the Poetry of Sexual oh, Pleasure. It is horrible. <laughs> it is absolutely the worst erotic poetry ever written. And I, want I remember to <laughs> I remember I'll bring it next slide. I'll bring it on Sunday. Please do. Yes. I, I remember um one night or one lit fest. Um Oh, oh my goodness. My mind just went click of the poet. Um, very famous African-American female poet. Nikki Giovanni. Oh my mm. God. I can't believe I forgot Nikki mm. Giovanni's name. Nikki G. Uh, like she remembered me from the poetry slam. We've seen each other at national slams, you know, two or three times before. And she remembered me and I picked her, they had me pick her up from the airport. Um, and we went out to lunch and we were, we were chatting and catching up talking about the last, you know, the national slam in Chicago. So this would have been 2004 or five. And um, I pulled this book out of my backpack and a pen and I'm like, can you sign this? And she looked at me like, what the fuck are you doing? We have known each other for a few years now. What the hell? Are you going fanboy on me? Like she was berating me for asking me to autograph this book. And then she starts looking at the book. She goes, oh my God, what is this? And, and she had no idea that she was in the book twice <laughs> No, had no clue and by the time lunch was over she's on her phone with her agent <laughs> who approved oh this <laughs> am i getting paid for this <laughs> that is insane oh it's such a horrible i very much so need bad. to bring that on sunday <laughs> oh it's so bad but a lot of these poets they really kind of showed me you know, I was coming from college life. I was coming from out of that angsty period, uh, you know, into showing me that, oh, poetry doesn't have to rhyme. You like the concept of a storyteller poet had been it, it was foreign to me other than Walt Whitman, you know, because that's very much the style of Walt Whitman's poetry. And that's in a lot of sense, that's kind of what I've modeled my work after. Right. You know, I've got some funny AB rhyme schemes. You know, the Denny's fuck poem is always <laughs> a prime. A well, that's a storytelling. I had one yeah. that I don't, I don't even do by request anymore. Um, period one. Huh? No, not that. That's not mine. That's uh Christian Drake's bloodbath. Oh, really? 
I have no problem covering that poem whenever anybody asks me. No, I have two. Um, I have one poem that I personify uh, a pocket pussy. Um, it's it's called Real. Uh, the story of it was is I was going through an adult shop one time, and I saw uh, I saw this pocket pussy, and it said "feels just like a real woman." And the first thought in my head was, "Well, is it going to get pissed if I'm out drinking all night?" Oh my god! And that kind of steamrolled into a poem that it was like my signature piece for some time. I, I, I retired it. I've long since retired it. Um, on retirement, it's <laughs> if you get me drunken. No, um, it's it's funny. It, it it gets kind of funny on that way. And then I used to redo Doctor Seuss books. I did Horton hires a hoe, um, and and things along those lines. But I wasn't. I was writing to win poetry slams. Okay, at that point, instead, uh, except for the real poem, um, that one was me. But, you know, like I, I would hear these things that, and, and I would try to model them to try to win poetry slams mm -hmm. instead of doing me, instead right. of writing me and, and myself, um, which when it gets down to it, I tell stories. You know, I tell stories. You know, I've got one about my 14-year-old cousin that showed up on our front door pregnant mm -hmm. um, and her mom had just freaked out and disowned her um and you know they've long since conciliate you know you know uh, re uh reconciliated but yeah she spent a lot of time at our house um yeah. during that time and I, I you know one time in chicago i was you know with navy pier where they got the merry-go-rounds going i saw a kid that looked exactly like me as a little kid and like i was freaking out Whoa. like did i have a heart attack and i'm back in time like what the hell <laughs> you know and turned like into that and then you know when i started having kids you know my you know, I, my, as, as Gabriel Iglesias said, I, I jumped into a pre-started family, uh, <laughs> and, you know, I've absolutely loved my oldest daughter, which, you know, is my daughter. Um, you know, I adopted her and, you know, so many pieces come out of her. And then when her sister came along, that's, that's more, it, but writing during the pandemic has sucked. I agree. <laughs> It's Especially anger, if you're from experience. It's anger, it's whininess. Ugh. I've got one that I'm stuck on. And it's probably the first intentionally funny piece that I've written in some time, but I'm stuck on how to finish it. Um, huh? I said that's always my problem. Yeah. <laughs> I don't finish any poems because I don't know how. <laughs> and yeah, well, hold on a second. Let me let me grab my because i believe it or not I, I for years i typed everything even even rough drafts and all that i i used to compose only by typing but the older i get the more i'm writing like physically like writing nice so you know i have a you know, I have the pen case open here with, you know, with all my fountain pens. Oh, so fancy. <laughs> I wanted to show you this one, actually. I just got this in the mail a couple of days ago. It's neon blue. Oh, my God. That's ink? Yeah. It's from Japan. Neon blue. I love oh, it. That's awesome. 
but it's I I rewrote. It's it's kind of a parody of it, it's basically uh, I, I rewrote be our guest, <laughs> and I can't like the tune is is like bouncing off you know. Messieurs and mademoiselles, we welcome you all tonight, and now we invite you to pull up a chair while therapy proudly presents your psychosis. <laughs> Eat your stress eat your stress put your belt to the test tie that feedback on your face sherry and we provide the rest you know <laughs> I love it. so i wrote like i wrote all this stuff like most of the song and then i was diagnosed with diabetes oh no, <laughs> oh, no. and i was like oh no that's oh, no. why i'm diabetic oh <laughs> So oh, I'm so sorry. Hey, it's okay. I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm reversing it, and there we go. Because it, it's not—it's not genetic. I don't have anybody in my family with diabetes, so right. it's literally the probably close to two thousand carbs a day I was eating. Sounds like you're doing a great job, though. Mm-hmm. Seriously. Oh yeah, thank you. I am doing everything I can. Well, while we were on the subject of your poetry, uh, I wanted to ask if you have any like favorite poems. You don't have to read it to us, but just like tell us if you have a favorite poem you've written or one that you're like most proud of, or is there one that you're is your favorite to perform specifically? I still love that Den- doing the Denny's fuck poem. <laughs> and everyone Always also fun. loves the Denny's. I actually, I was very like this one. Um, it's called Daddy, I Don't Want to Lose You. And I wrote it maybe a year plus ago before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were still doing indoor shows at Yellow Cab when I wrote this. And it's kind of ironic that it's kind of hit me now. My nearly four-year-old daughter cuddled up to me on the couch. She, my koala bear, me, her tree. She hugged me with all four limbs as hard as she could and cried, Daddy, I don't want to lose you. As if someone or something had whispered a horrible secret in her ear and she couldn't hold it anymore. I've always been fat. There's never a time in my life that I was what the medical society would call in shape. In my life, I've checked all the boxes. Big, healthy, husky, fluffy, and the newest of those for all of us who ride bicycles, Clydesdales. It's actually true for (laughs) big and tall um, bicycle clothes and equipment. they, They label it Clydesdales. Oh my God. But I've never truly been ashamed of it. Oh, sure. I've been angry about it and I've laughed it off going through sizes of clothes, time to the cycle of the shamrock shake. But it wasn't until the giant blue eyes that mirror mine cried those words that the flood of shame actually surfaced. The honesty of her thoughts and words shook me beyond anything that I could imagine. I've been called names and teased as long as I can remember. I've been cut with the tongues of uncaring teenagers, unassuming children, spite-filled lovers, and none of them compared to the caring of a child holding on to her daddy with praying words, longing for a response of everything's going to be fine. I don't know how to comfort her. I don't know how to respond to her. And I don't know how to fix myself so that I can prove her wrong. I'm lost among a land of lakes with only a Twinkie to float upon. I've tried diets, medicines, plans, philosophies, camps, and going hardcore. But at the end of the day, I'm sitting at the end of the bar asking for another Coca-Cola and another bowl of pretzels. But the truth behind those eyes scares me beyond anything I've ever seen in a movie theater. I know that there wasn't knowledge behind her words. She didn't know anything more than trying to say she needs me and needs me to stick around. So I have to flip the bowl over. 
push the plate away, put the bottle back in the fridge. Koala bears are lost without their trees. Mm-hmm. Man, that was good. <laughs> I I love that one. I think probably one of the ones I'm the most. I'm, I'm sorry, you're probably like, what is he looking at? I've got a dual screen. Um, no, you're fine. Set up. I think probably one of the ones I'm more proud of is, um, you know, some of the ones I've done about my, my daughter with bipolar, you know, like mm-hmm. collecting labels, like Pokemon cards, um, you know, perceptions are like falling blocks, reach out and grab time. I always liked that one. The dear Mr. President, you know, <laughs> how to punch a Nazi. That one. I love that one. That's I always have fun with that one. Um, you know, kind of lessons on the show, but there was the, um, she thinks with a power, a power of a thousand exploding stars. I like that one. That was based on a student I had at Sinclair that, um, she was, I forget she had a mental disorder and I, I think it was Asperger's and literally to talk to her, it took it took forever because it wasn't just a, Oh, hi, how are you doing? Well, first I got up five minutes late and that threw off my whole, like she would literally run through her whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, and the students hated talking to her. The students absolutely hated trying to talk to her. I loved it. I loved listening to her. Um, and some of the pieces I wrote after my first marriage, um, I really liked that one. Um, you know, this one, a uh, moderate amount of sunlight outside my kitchen window in the dead of February, a tree is frozen. It took only a night to freeze its budding arms in their tracks as if they only needed a little love and an oil can to move once more. Just the day before it swayed in the breeze of an oncoming storm, waiting and playing with hardly a care. Now it waits for the sun's kiss and I hope it'll come soon. It's been a long winter. This was way before Game of Thrones. on the other side of the window sits three lonely houseplants growing in one planter kept alive in a dummy proof vase that allows the precise amount of water to be delivered lest i may kill them with the same neglect i showed her they only need a moderate amount of sunlight to survive so i put them in the kitchen that faces the west the direction she fled towards when she left i had to put them there I couldn't bear the sight of their unwavering, steadfast nature, looking at me as if I prayed towards the east for them to return. They stare at me, only showing the truth of it all. We only need a moderate amount of sunlight to survive. But there, in the dead of February, the truth shines through my double-planed, badly cocked kitchen. Those three are not there to mock or judge me, but to show me that I still live. I see a tree that has been frozen solid in the background of three vibrant and living entities. I see that everything I've gone through in my life is truly lost to the past and completely frozen in time. She can't hurt me anymore. She's frozen in the West. Those three aren't ashamed of me. They serve as my protector. They stand guard to keep me from journeying into the West for something that I can never find. They tell me I shouldn't waste what's left of my time searching. There is a frozen tree and there is breathing, functioning, and living entities staring at each other, each of them daring the other to cross the line. Lovers that will never talk or touch, but only stare. That's where we stand now and forever. Because that tree will outlive us all. 
Those houseplants will one day die, no matter how dummy-proof the vase is, and that's the truth of all of it. The past can never fade, only be stared at through a double-paned window that will only grow farther. And the sunlight will always be moderate, except in February, when you're lucky to see it at all. Mm. I like that a lot. Sorry, that was good. That was very good, Link. Thank you. I love how much you're sharing with us. I don't know if you have any more questions. No, that was all. My, yeah, that was all of my questions. Did you have any other poems you'd like to read, or would you like to move on to media absorption? I, you know what, I want to do. Is it's there anything you guys? Is there anything you guys want to hear? <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love you. how to punch a Nazi. I was Nazi. just about to say I can always go with how to punch a Nazi. Let's do. Do you mind doing how to punch a Nazi? I don't mind that whatsoever. <laughs> yes. I mean, the Denny's fuck is great, <laughs> but, but I think how to punch a Nazi is, is very on brand with our. Yes. <laughs> Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this poem do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of the Dayton Poetry Slam, Yellow Cap Tavern, or the Ohio Arts Association. It's a work of satire and should be treated as such. We recognize that there is a growing discomfort throughout the United States due to political upheaval currently residing in Washington, D.C. We also recognize how difficult it is to truly deal with the tremendous amount of stupidity surrounding the political system and its loudest supporters. So, with this in mind, I would like to present to you the beginning of a brand new series of lectures from the BBC on how to keep your head afloat in these tumultuous times. Today's segment, How to Punch a Nazi. Before we start into proper technique, we must take the opportunity to remind you that it is actually a crime to punch a Nazi that could result in a fine or jail. Believe it or not, this could also be designated a hate crime, the textbook definition of oxymoron if we've ever heard one. So please take proper precaution and hide your identity. The lifelong satisfaction of delivering justice will have to satiate you. However, if you decide to punch unprotected, we strongly urge you to set up a GoFundMe project to help with your legal costs before you commence with pugilistic affairs. There are several ways to properly punch a Nazi, and it all revolves around the distance from the human slice of filth you choose to be. Remember, though, regardless of distance, the fist positioning remains the same. Curl your fingers into your palm, making sure that your fingertips are tucked into the palm of your hand, not digging into your palm. Think of the generation of Jewish mothers tucking their children into, your, into their arms. Use that image while forming your fist, and you'll make sure the power remains in your knuckles. Your thumb should be tucked underneath of your fingers and touching your middle finger. You know, the finger you wanted to start off with, but decided on harsher measures. Now the approach is everything, and as previously mentioned, depends upon the distance. A short jab is definitely satisfying, especially if delivering to the nose, orbital socket, or directly to the throat. Any of these will throw your opponent off base for some time and open them up to subsequent strikes. Keep in mind that there is a time limit as well. If you so desire, a strike from the side could be more effective, and possibly to rend the hate-filled jackass unconscious. Simply run up from the side, leap into the air, and relieve the arse of his or her vertical advantage. This technique also allows some embellishment along the lines of screaming, the Howard Dean yell, perhaps, or the favorite, Falcon Punch! <laughs> 
Again, remember that you should leave time to flee the scene. The final tactic would be to pretend to drop something and stoop down to retrieve the lost item. This allows for a video-style uppercut that could liberate the jaw from the rest of the skinhead. And this should go without saying that shouting, SHARUKEN! It's an absolute must with this technique. Either way you choose, please remember to exercise caution, putting fists to faces of those unintelligent brutes. Also, take care that the next punch isn't meant for you. You're in good company, though. After all, we have been punching Nazis since the 1940s. In the next segment, we'll examine proper techniques for organizing marches and how to shout in the face of a Nazi. This is the BBC. Yay! That's great. That's one of my favorites for it. sure. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with that one. Oh man, how long ago did you write that one? Let's see. Uh, five. Whenever Trump, it wasn't long after Trump was elected. I assumed it was within the Trump it, administration. It was within the Trump. Well, I could tell you right now. Yeah, it was within the Trump administration. Um, it was not long. Let's see here. Created it says 2017. Yeah, that tracks. That's the that's the year that he was actually sworn in. Mm -hmm. Yep. Ugh. Based on there was just the skinhead that was on a street corner in New York, spouting all this crap, and somebody just like jumped off of the stoop and just nailed the guy yes did you see the video um here in dayton of the lady punching the nazi no it was, but during, it was during the blm uh rallies there were some skinheads walking around with like automatic assault yeah. weapons yeah. in the oregon district of course which it was i mean less than a year after a mass shooting happened in the oregon district this guy was walking around with a with an automatic rifle, was it? Yeah, I'm and, pretty sure uh, they're the same ones who knocked out the window of Lily's. At Lily's, too. yeah. And yeah. this guy was like, basically like yelling at this woman, and she was yelling right back. She wasn't taking it, and he called her a cunt, I think. And she said, she straight up, he she yeah. punched him in the face, and then he started beating her with her gun, but they were able to get him away. But still, like she punched him right in the face, and it went viral at least locally. I think I, think I, I do think I remember that now. Yeah, it. yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was that is that is one of the few words in the English language I will not use. Oh, the c word. Yeah, yeah, one of the that's few. okay. That's. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bad one that one that one and the n-word because oh, yeah, no. i grew up in a you know prime it was a very mixed race area in springfield and you know you wouldn't walk home if you use that word no you, just, you no. wouldn't walk home you know you might crawl home if you were lucky you know? <laughs> yeah no someone was going to call you an ambulance those words for sure <laughs> right. do you want to give us your media absorption um media absorption right now let's see um falcon and winter soldier wait wait, wait. what was that falcon and the winter soldier what is that it's what? um a disney plus show uh it's literally okay. <laughs> it's it's marvel it's you know continuation of the marvel cinematic universe okay so i don't know anything about superheroes i'm a big okay. <laughs> no, you're not. and uh i i it's it's on my list i'm actually going to watch it tonight um nevers on hbo max 
Oh yeah, I yeah. saw a, a trailer for it. It looks really good. Yeah, I'm very it, it. It's giving me like Penny Dreadful vibes. That's what I was thinking too. And I I I enjoyed Penny Dreadful, but mm-hmm. it's one Penny Dreadful was one of those shows that didn't know what the hell it wanted to be. Yeah. I, I said that about Gotham too. I'm you know being the big Batman fanatic that I am, hearing about Gotham was great, but oh, yeah. I thought it was supposed to be like Law and Order starring Jim Gordon um and it <laughs> it was definitively not that show had, had no idea what it wanted to be i think um, the thing that kept me watching it was the i okay i'm gonna use character development but it's not really development of penguin oh yes his like descent into madness it was great oh uh robin lord was amazing as the penguin and he's i don't know if you i mean he was in you um the last season of you um on netflix and who did he play he was the guy that he was the guy that um the main got the main villain for main you know basically he stole his identity oh yeah 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 okay okay and then he let him you know will will took his identity but then he let will keep the identity and mm-hmm. he moved to the philippines mm-hmm. right and right. now he's, he's like, like an associate of wills like he helps will out on things yeah so, that's the other one that's the other one i got that's, got my- that's a new season coming soon yeah and uh, then the new book is coming i don't know if you read the books the books are even better they're so the good. show is good the books are better. The books are unsettling. The books, because, yeah. Oh, it's so unsettling. Oh, you should check it out sometime. Cool. Um, her name, the author's name is Caroline Kepnes. K E. Yeah. Yeah. K E N E S. Uh, they're yeah, they're astounding. I love them. They're one of those that I can't put down. Yeah. See, that was one of those like when you get movies and books like that. It was you know I read Jurassic Park before I watched Jurassic mm-hmm. Park, That's and right. I remember reading the book. I was a freshman in high school. I was reading it. And I'm going, how the hell are they making this a movie? <laughs> and even worse, how is it PG-13? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, as good as Jurassic Park is, Jurassic Park is a wonderful movie. Um, mm-hmm. The book is far better, but the sequel, it's flipped. It's one of those rare, rare times I can say the movie was better than the book. Really? Well, well that's because the movie focused more on Jeff Goldblum. So. <laughs> Thank you. Change your apartment. Um, <laughs> Thank you, the new Groucho Marx. Um, no, it, it wasn't just that. It was um, Michael Crichton had never intended on writing another Jurassic Park book. Mm-hmm. You know, but when they made it, because remember, the book didn't come out until well after the first movie. And what happened was Steven Spiel, the, the story is Steven Spielberg showed up in Michael Crichton's office with a suitcase full of money. <laughs> and went, Why am I not here. <laughs> it, like that was the, that's the story I have always heard here opens a briefcase. He, this is yours. <laughs> write me another book and I'll let you write the screenplay. And so he did. Michael Crichton did write the screenplay for the second one. Michael Crichton, yeah. now he may not have finished it. Like he might, there might have been significant rewrites, right. but he did do the original treatment of Jurassic Park: The Lost World. Um, and I think that's why you know he had to create all this stuff for the book. Which, if you read the the Jurassic Park: The Lost World, the the original novel, it's very disjointed. Mm-hmm. It, it's absolutely disjointed. Like, you know, I love reading Star Wars books. I've read countless Star Wars novels over my life. Um, you know, Shadows of the Empire being like my favorite. Uh, in fact, I just reread that last year during the pandemic. 
Um, but like some of the newer ones coming out there, it suffers from that same issue. Mm -hmm. They're trying to create stories of what happened to the, the main heroes after the second death star blew up. Mm -hmm. Oh, spoilers. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) You know, so the books tend to be disjointed and they're like trying to figure out, okay, what is this going to be? And I think, you know, that's I think that's what happened with uh, Solo, which is why they haven't done any other standalone Star Wars movies um, beyond pandemic was Solo was it was very disjointed. Like they didn't know what kind it was it a heist film. Was it a buddy movie? Was it an origin like very I like Solo, but it's a very disjointed film. That makes sense, um, yeah. And then movie why like I watched uh, Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, yeah. I had to, you know, it's like, I remember seeing that movie in the eighties and Dr. Creep on like, you know, Saturday morning horror fest. Those were always fun. Um, and I've got a mammoth list of movies and shows to watch, uh, couple of, there's a couple I want to read. I'm, I'm, uh, rewatching the Star Trek series, the newer Star Trek series. Um, How how are you watching that? What are you streaming? Blu-rays. I I am a big proponent of physical discs. I stream a lot. Don't get me wrong. I don't have cable. I'm a, I'm a cord cutter. I've got YouTube TV. Um, I've got Disney, Netflix, and HBO. I split HBO with a neighbor. Um, (laughs) I steal hers. (laughs) It's not stealing. We both pay for it. So, um, (laughs) but you know, I, if like here in my office, like right here, I can't pull it out because then the cables will get all messed up. Um, I've got a I've got a portable Blu-ray player that hooks into USB. And, you know, when I didn't have Violet right here um, working through her school day, you know, I would have a movie playing while I was working. Um, and I've got a, I've got a very large movie collection downstairs. And I just, you know, I'll pick a series. I've been wanting to when I, when I finish rereading The Hobbit, I'll watch the series again. Yeah just for for that kind of fun things but uh, yeah i'm interested in nevers uh i'll probably start that later tonight wandavision loved mm-hmm. watching I wandavision that in our last episode because i it's, loved it i haven't it, finished it but i love it it's very rare that i watch a show and at the end of every episode i'm like what no no wait wait <laughs> i love it it's like no i'm not finished oh damn it <laughs> um and I caught, I watched, you know, we watched The Affair. My wife and I watched The Affair. Um, we went through that uh-huh. whole series on uh, Amazon Prime. It was a Showtime show. She loves Showtime shows, but we've never bought it. Like, you know, I'm waiting for the the last season of Shameless to show up on streaming. Oh, yeah. We're, we're big Shameless fans. Love Shameless. Yeah. Um, I, I got kids, so a lot of my viewing is trolls i watch an immense amount of trolls between uh trolls trolls world tour and then they're the animated series on netflix have you heard of uh my brother my brother and me yes podcast uh the three main well the hosts of that are they play a voice of a random character on trolls world tour i think i don't know the name of their character or anything but yeah, it's really, <laughs> that's the only thing I think of when I think of trolls is the McElroy it's, brothers. You know what? I got, I had to admit it's fun. 
It, it really yeah. is fun. Um, I took uh, Violet's as much of a movie buff as I am. Like, you know, I have a poem about it. My very first movie in the theater was that I consciously remember. My my parents tell me they that she, my mom says she took me to the Muppet movie before Aww. before I saw Return of the Jedi. But we saw Return of the Jedi in the theater on opening weekend. My mom was still pregnant with my sister. And it was back in those days. It wasn't, oh, I'm going to show up to the... 3:30 showing you got in line yeah and you hope to god you were getting into a showing at some point through the day you know it was wow. the regent the regent theater in springfield one screen it's all they had way back in my day Hey, do you want to feel old? The first one of the first movies that I cognizantly remember going to was um the phantom menace the oh, nice the first <laughs> right? The, uh, uh, the yeah. oh yeah so it was in the front row too so i remember jabba the hut being this gargantuan beast yeah. oh jeez um but you know and back then you you know you'd wait once a year to see star wars on television because you know we were too poor to have a vcr for some until prices really became affordable and that was like when do you i think it was 88 89 i think when my grandfather died in 89 we used some of the money we got in the inheritance to buy a VCR. Cause I remember the 89 Batman film was actually that came out when my grandfather died. So that got me through because my parents just gave us a bunch of money and, and sent my sister and I to the movies and said, this will be during the funeral. Here you go. When, when somebody can't take it anymore, they'll pop in to check on you. But yeah, is it trolls world tour? Um, my oldest daughter, the very first movie I ever took her to was, um, the force awakens. Yeah, that's cool. So I have the ticket stub in my wallet still it's all faded you know because thermal mm -hmm. tape it doesn't hold up but i know exactly what it is it's my ticket to nora nora and i seeing um force awakens so and then the first movie we ever took violet to um that she remembers was moana Aww, we're big disney heads here. that's so cute <laughs> Do you listen to any podcasts? Yes. Uh, I listen to the Celtic music podcast. I've, I've listened to that for, they just hit episode 500. And I think I was, I started listening to them in episode 100. Wow. So I listened to that one a lot. Um, I, I've met Mark Gunn a couple of times and such a wonderful person. Mm -hmm. Um, I listen to copper pot, the copper pot podcast. It's, uh, another, it's, straight traditional irish music my my wife isn't a big fan of celtic music so i can't put it on in the house like i can put it on but you know she gets like i can only get like an hour before she's like turn it off um you know i'm fourth generation off the boat from ireland my my great-grandmother had the accent still she still had a grow. Oh, I love I love Celtic music. So I listen to that while I'm mowing grass or if I'm working on dishes or if I'm grading final exams, I'll listen to that. I think Wiseau has um Celtic music on Sunday afternoons. Yep. We always listen place. To it when we go, yeah, when we go grocery shopping. Yep. Cindy Cindy Funk, uh they, they used she used to have that one on Saturdays leading right up into down home bluegrass. Mm, yeah that makes sense yeah well i mean my grandma my great-grandmother always said it she loved bluegrass every saturday we had to be listening to bluegrass in her house um I and I, I still do to this day if it's saturday i have to listen to some bluegrass music oh that's great because if you get right down and look at it bluegrass and celtic are the same 
it's the same songs. It's the same music. It's just tuned to a different key. <laughs> yeah. I in a lot that. of cases, it's using the same instruments. Even it's mm-hmm. that that's where a lot of that Appalachian music came from was because those people coming from Ireland didn't have anywhere else to go. So they mm-hmm. took the farmland on the frontier, you know, so a lot of that music was influenced and came from that. So it's, it's fascinating to think, think of it from, from that aspect. But yeah, I love, I love bluegrass music and Celtic music because they're, it's the same. So I listen yeah, to those. Um, I listen to your guys' podcast. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I used to religiously listen to the Kevin Pollack podcast. Oh, or not Kevin not Pollack chat show. Oh, what is it called? Kevin Pollack chat show. He's a comedian. Yeah. Um, have you ever listened to Alchemy This? No. Okay. So it's a, uh, sorry to derail. So it's hosted by Kevin Pollack. Okay. And it's an improv show, but it's all audio medium. Oh. It's him. It's, um, I think his name's Jonathan Heaney. There's the guy that plays one of the security guards in community whose name I can't think of. And then there's usually a woman. There might be a few other guests. They kind of rotate around, but they all do. They all do improv together. That's awesome. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Okay, cool, cool. Yes. I I I don't know if he's even still doing the chat show, but I loved it. I loved um, because I, you know, I've just been a big fan of Kevin Pollock since I was a little kid. Um, and that's the main one. I like to listen to, I, I need diversions for podcasts, you know, or I need a specific reason I'm listening to a podcast. Um, just fun, just fun stuff. I usually, you know, a lot of music that I can't usually get, um, especially since Live Ireland has really downscaled what they've done. So I can't listen to that music from Ireland because I really connect a lot with my Irish background um, quite a bit. So my my mom and my sister went to Ireland. This is years and years ago, maybe 15 years plus ago. And it's funny that I got two phone calls while they were in Ireland to make sure I was in Ohio. (laughs) They thought I had traveled to Ireland because they were like, you are everywhere. Like people that look exactly like you are everywhere. (laughs) I'm like, and I, I, you know, I've had other people say that, that they visited Ireland and they see people that look just like <laughs> my students keep telling me I look like uh, Seth Rogen, but uh, <laughs> I oh, see it. That's great. That's great. <laughs> but that, and I'm, I'm always like, I'll watch things for distract, just to have noise on. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and Batman, the animated series, you know, mm-hmm. I'll watch that's that either on Blu-ray or I'll stream it on HBO max at least. Mm-hmm. you know once or twice a week but you know in all honesty like i don't have if i'm if i've got something unless it's very purposeful like falcon and winter soldier or hopefully nevers um or kong versus godzilla or the snyder cut of justice league um mm-hmm. oh, I, I, watched don't, it. I don't get free time anymore right you know because i'm either in the daytime, I'm either swamped with student issues or I'm helping Violet get through the class day or I'm helping Nora get through the class day, you know, because my wife has a very important job and sometimes she's very limited on what she what help she can provide. And I my job is pretty flexible, you know, so I don't ha- I don't get a whole lot of. OK, I, oh, I'm just going to sit and veg. I'm like, right. No, I Usually we have a job that allows us to kind of like listen to podcasts and stuff while we 
Oh, true. I mean, when I worked for Sinclair, that was one of the best parts is they would often give me classes out in the Eaton branch. So mm-hmm. I would have to drive to Preble County and that was an hour each way. And I listened to so many books. Yeah. Yep. I listened to a lot of books. Well, my fiance Brody, he, uh, he drives, he drives a truck during the day. And so he's driving for seven to no, it's usually much longer than that. He's usually gone for like 15 hours at a time. And so he listens to a lot of books and a lot of podcasts. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, pass the time. Yeah. That's when, that's when audible is a good investment. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I can't. Do you have any songs that you're listening to or really getting down on lately? Any, any, oh yes. Like any uh, particular songs or, or artists? Uh, Nathaniel Rateliff in the Night Sweats. I am a big, big fan of theirs. Okay. Um, have been. I, I remember um, Redemption, especially right now, is is kind of one of his latest ones. I remember he did Austin City. The 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 group did Austin City Limits. We it was on one night, and Violet. It was her late night feeding, and I was up, and and she was just kind of. You know, she's getting kind of dreary in my arm. She was maybe one, one and a half at the time. Nate, uh, Nathaniel Rayliff and the Night Sweats came on Austin City Limits and she woke right up. She like, because you know, she'd heard the music. I have the LPs and I would listen. So she recognized I, it. She recognized the music and we, she just bopped to the whole thing. And I, I remember, I remember tweeting pictures of it, like the two of us listening to it. Uh, I tweeted pictures to them um and they they retweeted and just loved it that she was just sitting there bopping to to his to the music and it was you know you know austin city limits was like 15 minute concert but it was just so much fun to go through and i love that one i I listen to a lot of pop music um Mm -hmm. because i have kids and Mm -hmm. that's what they want to hear in the car so you know a lot a lot of that um but it's funny you know some of the newer ones you know um ava ava max her newest one hearts and minds mm-hmm. you know it's sampled from ati's around the world back from the what? 2000s and you know it's all around the world just na la 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 uh which at the time you know in in the 2000s i would you know do a dance show at right state and then go <laughs> dj clubs after that yeah. So that's always interesting to hear those songs. And I would point that out and I would play the, the original and my kids mm-hmm. like that one better, <laughs> but a lot of top 40 stuff. Um, Grace Vanderwall love her music. She won America's got talent a few years ago and then really okay. came into her own as a musician. I think she's a, she's actually, I think studying at Juilliard right now. Oh, dang. So, and making albums while studying at Juilliard. Dang. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. He's youth. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. <laughs> and and to be honest, because everything has been so blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. This is gonna sound weird. Maybe not to you guys, but listeners, it's gonna sound weird too. I listen to a lot of Disney music. And when <laughs> I mean Disney music, I mean the soundtrack to the theme park rides. Uh, <laughs> I love it. So you know, my, my daughter and I will, uh, Violet, my youngest and I all the time will start singing Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, you know, from the um, Carousel of Progress Aww. all the time. You know, she has, it's a great big beautiful tomorrow shining at the end of every day. Yeah, um, 
Disney World. <laughs> yep. We're both big Disney. And the, tea, the, the, all of 17 minutes of the Enchanted Tiki Room. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will get stuck in your head. Be careful. <laughs> no in fact, it is forbidden for me to actually start singing it in the house. <laughs> I have, uh, have a record of the a whole soundtrack of the att- attraction and you flip it over it's the jungle cruise it's thorough oh, ravenscroft cool. you know the voice uh, the singing voice from um the animated grinch uh he was the tony the tiger for many years yeah. he's been a lot of disney attractions he did the skipper role on this album for the jungle cruise so it's Aww. you know hearing that, that is just hilarious and grim grinning ghosts and and all of it and i just you know, we we grew up very, very poor. And we didn't realize how poor we were growing up. But when I was, I was uh, eight, I was eight. My parents had saved for years and managed to take us to Disney. Um, managed to take us to Disney World after having saved for years and years. And I never forgot it. Just how yeah. wonderful of a time that was and how, I mean, you know, even my grumpy third shift working dad loved that. And I think he loved it for the kids, like how much we were getting out of it to see that he was able to provide that for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and we took the girls when Nora was six and Violet was like, Violet was just walking. Mm-hmm. Um, and she still remembers pieces of it. Nora still remembers it very fondly I've, i'm not for christ's sakes i'm wearing a mickey watch um, <laughs> I love it. we're already planning we're going to go back and i'm drinking out of a figment cup i just realized that oh <laughs> that was the first figment ride i got on the first time i went to disney world figment ride huh that was the first ride i got on when i went to disney world was the figment ride i know it's 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 not as great as when i when i was a kid it was a different it was the one with Dreamcatcher and all that but i just went on emily and i snuck away for a weekend and went to epcot because that's the one that kids don't like to go to right um and we drank around the world oh that sounds amazing i want to do that it's very fun you start in canada Mm -hmm. and see if you can remember your way by the time you hit germany literally the best epcot is the best yeah for adults epcot is wonderful and they've got some fun attractions but you know you go to the magic kingdom with the kids you know and that's the fun part but i would go in a heartbeat you know give me a plane ticket i'm there tomorrow right you know my second shot makes me immune on thursday i could spend next weekend at disney and be happy (laughs) get on rise of the resistance if i can find a way in But yeah, I, I believe it or not, I I have a I have a CD. Actually, it's on my iPod. That's how old I am. Um, <laughs> and because uh, I've got like six thousand songs on my iPod um, from all my DJ days, I just would rip the songs. But I've got an album that it's basically all of the theme park sounds from Disneyland. So it's it's a lot of fun to just listen to and remember. Not everything is crap. Mm-hmm. you know I that. it's I going to get better i have all the albums from the the sims theme songs like <laughs> creative sim no. and the house editing one like no. sit like the old school mm-hmm. like oh my gosh and it puts every time like because i'll just shuffle all my music mm-hmm. and every time one of them comes on i'm like <laughs> 
So I would just want to play just, right yeah, then it and there. And yeah. when it plays when I'm working, it's torture because mm. I'm like, I just want to play Sims. Mm. So when Violet was a little kid, she we were my her you know my my oldest Nora and I would play a lot of Wii games. Mm. We play a lot of games on the Wii, and every now and again, even still, Violet will just start going. Do 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 I don't think she ever actually played the Wii, but it the 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 home song is ingrained into her brain. She'll be ninety years old somewhere and just humming this tune, and no one will know what it is. <laughs> oh man, yeah. No, I used to joke that 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 theme song is just playing through my brain and nothing else at any given moment. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So I like the monkey in the summer. <laughs> yeah. It's just the wee song. <laughs> All right. Did you have anything else? Any other media that you wanted to recommend to our listeners or us? Nothing off the top of my head. The Snyder cut of justice league. If you haven't watched it, I've seen it as long, it. as long as your ass can maintain four hours. See, actually that, the nice part about that, when they did that, they chunked it up into those six chapters. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to stop and get up, do like 10 squats to, you know, get <laughs> back in get your behind. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I I'm getting back into uh, to reading more. I just grabbed, we were on a road trip and I just grabbed a couple of new poets and writers magazines and then a uh, new a new journal. Oh, I haven't read it yet. The Southern Poetry Review. Oh, cool. I have not read it yet, but I picked that up on, like on our last vacation. To Are read. you subscribed to a poetry magazine? I do not, but I should. They're really good. I always find good ones. Yeah. So well, they, they're yeah. the ones that put out the best American poetry of the year, aren't they? Oh, uh, I have no idea, but that's possible. I'd have to look. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what you're reading. It doesn't matter who you're reading. Just read. Yep, I agree. As I've all, whenever I do writing workshops and when I taught English writing and when I taught on occasions, they would let me teach like a poetry lecture real quick. Uh, the very first thing I would always tell them: if you're writing poetry and not reading, then you're not really writing poetry, because you mm-hmm. cannot write poetry unless you're reading other poems. I like that. You, you just yeah. can't. It goes hand in hand. I think that's inspired that way. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think, and that's why I like going to the poetry slams is inspiring too. Just getting to hear other people perform their work. And that's been my, that's been such a pleasure being able to give that microphone to the other people for so damn long. Yeah. Like it's funny that, you know, people, old schoolers that have long since moved on, like Link's still doing this. Yeah. Cause it's awesome. It's an, it's an amazing little community. It really not, feels like a family. how I make money. I, I, you know, Jonathan, myself, and and Quiet Storm make no money off of this, right? At all, you know. And I've not made a dime on the Poetry Slam in nineteen years. So two thousand three, eighteen years, eighteen years. My brother's nineteen. He was born in two thousand one. So, yeah. so has it been since two thousand one? Wow. The Slam started in ninety nine. Probably. Damn. Yep. August of 99. Wow. This version. There was another show um, run by somebody else that they call the Dayton Poetry Slam, but it wasn't an actual poetry slam. It was just um, they used the name to make it sound like Deaf Poetry Jam. Uh, you know, so they just okay. called it a poetry slam. It was just a traditional poetry reading. Okay. It, like it was a fine show, but it didn't last very long. And then this one came in and Bill Abbott 
knocked it up and I married him. <laughs> I like him. I do like Bella, but I like his um, book down there. Yeah. You want to do your media absorption? Yeah, sure. So I'll start with podcast. Okay. The Adventure Zone. <laughs> Which if you don't know what that is, it's a Dungeons and Dragons um, podcast. Oh, and they, nice. Like, they like switch up stories. Every, like they'll complete a campaign and then start a new campaign. So like. But it all links together. Yeah. It's, oh, it's cool. So I'm still on Pedals to the Metal. Really That's like good, it. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> you're going to love it. <laughs> I already love it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the adventure zone and then let's not meet, which is a Ooh, true crime a horror podcast that reaffirms for every woman that they've had a creepy dude experience. Yes. So I feel like that kind of thing. It's a good, it's a good one. I like um, shows like that. I don't, you know, the, the listening thing, it, it makes it to me would f- make it feel like old time, you know, the shadow knows. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes they can be like that yeah. some some fiction podcasts can be a bit old-time radio showy yeah i can't do like the fiction penumbra. podcasts too much like yeah. except for like alice isn't dead which i need to go back and, and welcome to, to night vale and welcome to the night vale yeah. which is really good and then they did another one called i think it's called into the wire which i really between liked. the wires no between the wires or through the wires something it's wires something wires i didn't like that one <laughs> i couldn't get into it it wasn't too bad. I think I just need to go back and give it another chance. Yeah. Um, music. Um, so, well, actually, I'm going to start with my TV because I'm going to tie it into that. So, TV, I watch Julie and the Phantoms, which is like this cute little kid show on. Um, oh, yeah. It's like a little musical show that's really needs to have a second season, but it hasn't been confirmed and it's been like two years. So, it's probably canceled, but I hope not. It has really good music. I freaking love it. Um, The Order, which is like a supernatural show on Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Uh, it's not too bad. It's very teenage, like young adult, teenage Once you get over that, it's not too bad. And there's a lot of like language and like that you kind of have to be familiar with to understand anything that's happening in the show. Mm-hmm. But I liked it. I didn't hate it. This is my second time giving it another chance and I didn't hate it this time. So... That's why I put it on my list. Nora from Queens, which is Aquafina acting absolutely relatable and ridiculous as a 27-year-old woman. <laughs> I wonder if I can relate to that. <laughs> Super funny. It's like a nice comfort show. I think uh, when I move into my apartment in a couple of weeks, I will watch it again just to make it nice and comfy. Oh, yeah. uh, Twin Peaks. Of yes. Yes. We're going to do a whole episode on that soon or probably yeah. either may or june but we're yeah. gonna do an entire episode about twin peaks i can't wait i can't wait for you to watch the third season <laughs> my uh friend dana you guys know dana we've talked about her she um she just started watching it and she texted me she I mean, when i say just started i mean she came to visit me last weekend and then on like tuesday texted me that she's on the second season of twin peaks <laughs> i was That's like beautiful. yes finally beautiful. i've been trying to get her into it forever um, I just watched a true crime documentary on John Wayne Gacy called Devil in Disguise, which What's pissed that on? me I want to watch that. It's on Peacock. It's on Peacock. They just, I, yeah, I saw that, that I, it's very weird, like how suddenly we're deifying, not really deifying, but like we're really, it's just odd. 
I hated it because, I mean, I liked it, but I hated it because the whole time he was trying to like justify his actions. Mm -hmm. And he was like, even at times saying that these victims were like coercing him or like Mm -hmm. consenting. And I'm like, you murdered 33 people. What the, like what? young men, young boys. boys. Yeah. What is wrong with you? When, when I worked in radio, every time we had a mass shooting or a tragedy like this, there was a pool that would start up until you'd get that quote. He was always such a quiet boy. Mm-hmm. You know, they were so quiet always. I'm like, yeah, okay. Doesn't Stop talking about them there. I, yeah. I didn't even know that we had another shooting last night in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, when are we going to get the mm-hmm. idea? Yeah, man, this world's bumming. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy it's how many different stories lately have come out about mass shootings, just like in the last two weeks, maybe. Well, that's what they well, mentioned on the last podcast on the left. They're like, well, and slowly the country is opening back up. And with that is coming a new slew of mass shootings. Like, and I was like, damn, you're right. We went a year. A year without one. You can't tell me that something's not wrong. There's lots of things wrong. Mm. Most of them have to do with gun regulations yeah. and toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Being in a dangerous cult and yeah. just being completely uneducated. Yep. Completely. We have uh, lots of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else are you watching? <laughs> um, my roommate and I, well, I rewatched Stranger Things and then I got her watching it because, uh, well, Stranger Things is dope. So everyone should watch it. That's a show I should be into, but I've never watched an episode. Oh, you should. Have you ever seen Super 8? Yeah. Or even something like Stand By Me. It's sort of like like that group of four or five little kids who are like investigating and there's just weird shit happening. Of course, Stand By Me is not. It's just emotional. Right. I I remember I was there in the theaters when it came out. That was my whole... That was one of my favorite movies as a kid for some reason, question mark. I don't know why, but I would watch it over and over and over again. Um, but that reminds really? me of that, but like not supernatural. So super, Stranger Things just brings in that supernatural element. Right. But I really like it when they have like the four or five kids and they're investigating things. And it's just like, I don't know, there's something pure and innocent about it because mm-hmm. no one ever believes them. Right. I don't know. I really like that aspect of shows. So I love Stranger Things for that reason. Plus Winona Ryder's in it. She's yeah. the goddess. Yeah, so. that's true. That is very true. I so love DK Harbor. Truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, DK Harbor. Would... Okay. <laughs> um, and then I rewatched You because Emily, yeah. my roommate, really wanted to watch it because she had seen some of the second season when I was watching it the first time. Mm-hmm. And really wanted to go back to that first season. And of mm-hmm. course, I've talked about the book and everything like constantly. So she finally watched it. And now we're just waiting for that third season. We finished the third season on my birthday. And there was like a, it was the a second fake, season. It was a, yeah. There was like a fake article about the third season dropping that day. And I was oh. like, this would be the best birthday present ever. And of course, it didn't. But of happen. course, it didn't fake news <laughs> um, so that's all the tv i've been absorbing so music i only have three songs i'm in the middle of making my uh my may playlist which currently just has girlwood on it nice. <laughs> nothing else and if you don't know girlwood it's like a chick scream angry band feminist <laughs> it's very good. punk very music good. it's great <laughs> 
Um, and my favorite song is Communicate With Me. It has this really, really, I don't know if you listened to it after I messaged you. I totally forgot to. <laughs> you should listen to it. It has this really great part towards the end where, like, she starts screaming and it just gets progressively louder and it's so satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Communicate With Me is so good. Um, Jungle by, it's a K-pop band called Six and the song is Jungle and it's kind of like, oh god, I don't know how to describe it. It just makes me feel good when I listen to it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I have songs um, like that. And then Unsaid Emily, which is from Julie and the Phantoms, which one day when I actually learn an instrument, I will I, I, I will do a cover of this song. It's so beautiful. I love it. Um, but everyone should watch Julie and the Phantoms because I want a second season so bad. <laughs> it's about these three boys who are in a band and they just die mysteriously after eating <laughs> like a fucking hot dog or something. They died. Um, and they died in like the 90s. And now it's like present day. I think it's like 2013 or something in the show. And she's really good at music. This is like an actual 17-year-old girl who has these goddess vocals. Mm -hmm. And they just appear to her. And they have this, they start forming this band, but at the same time, they're trying to figure out why they came back to life and like, mm -hmm. well, back to life. They're still ghosts. And um, they, they can only appear to other people who's not the main character when they're performing music. Oh, it's really creepy. good. Like it's that. kind of like, it's kind of like the reverse Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's a good way to put it. And kind of kitty, but it's the music. I just <laughs> love Julie. It makes me feel good. So that's all I got. What do you get? Uh, I don't, I haven't been watching a lot because I've been just like, I don't know what I've been doing. <laughs> uh, I Existing on this plane. Yeah. I go on runs after work and sometimes they last a really long time just because I like being outside. Well, like, okay. The runs are like my normal I have like an app that helps me do my running intervals, but then like my walk back, I'll like weave up and down every single block. So sometimes I get back like at like seven o'clock and I'm like, oh, I don't have time to do anything now. So I just take a shower and eat dinner and just veg. So anyways, I haven't <laughs> been watching a lot of TV. I've been watching Aquafina is Nora from Yay! Queens. That's a, such a good show. I love so Aquafina is such a hilarious mm -hmm person comedian actress her raps are really good i'm gonna put one of her raps on our playlist too um she's just funny and then last night brody and i finished the second season the final season that's out of succession link have you watched succession at all a little bit i love that show because i hate all the characters <laughs> and i love it when they do terrible things to each other and yeah, no, I don't, I don't hate all the characters. They grow on me, but like, it's a real fun show to watch. Brody and I both got really into you, it. You feel better about your own life when you, when you yeah. watch. Like not totally because those people are so rich and they have like, I don't know, their, their cars are more expensive than any money I'll ever make in my <laughs> life. But it's still like, it's still, yeah, fun to watch them just be terrible, impotent weasels. And I <laughs> just like. Um, so that's what I've been watching mostly. I haven't really been watching anything else. Have I, I like, I listened to the office ladies podcast recently and I learned all these tidbits about like background knowledge on the office. And so now I'm like rewatching the office, mm -hmm. just not in any order. I just throw random episodes up and it's just like, 
now Brody will walk into the room and I'll be like, did you know that they didn't have internet on their computers until like season three? So when they're playing spider solitaire on their computers, they're actually playing solitaire and they used to have tournaments. And Brody's like, have you been listening to the office ladies again? And I'm like, yes, I have. Um, as far as podcasts go, I just said office ladies. Um, I've been mad binging last podcast on the left lately. They're so exciting to listen to. Um, they're just so high energy. They're, they're very distracting. I've been like kind of in a bad mood lately just because like, like whatever life in general. I've been kind of this week and uh, they just like distract me from my like anxiety and I like to overthink about everything. And so like they just distract me from all that and I don't know if you've heard of them. They're like, a, they're kind of a true crime podcast, but really they just like are three men that just like yell a lot, mm-hmm. but in a funny way. Nice. Hilarious. I really love them. And then their network has like a, another podcast called um, someplace underneath. And it's the wife of one of the hosts of last podcast on the left and a comedian friend of hers. And they talk about missing women and oh, what's it I'm still warming up to them. Someplace underneath. And then it's like two words. And neath is spelled N-E-I-T-H. Mm. Um, I'm still warming up to the hosts, hostesses. Mm-hmm. They like make some like remarks or jokes that don't necessarily sit well with me. They're not necessarily offensive. It's just like, I don't think we have exactly the same like belief systems or whatever. But they they do. They want to focus on women that go missing because women that go missing aren't focused on enough or aren't taken seriously enough, no. they feel. And so the first three episodes, the only three episodes they have out so far, this just started, are about Shelly Miscavige, who is the wife of David Miscavige, who is like the chief guy of Scientology right now. Oh. So his like wife went missing. That's a red flag. Because, well, right, right, right. Well, because, and so she hasn't been seen by anybody since 2007. They think that he, like, Scientologists are keeping her locked up somewhere. I wouldn't be surprised. And um, (laughs) Leah Ramini, who was in Scientology and left, she's the wife in King of Queens. Yeah. Um, she even like filed Remini, Remini, I I don't know, Remini, Remini, Leah Remini, um, she filed a police report with, uh, LAPD about it. And they just said, she's fine. She's okay. Don't worry about it. And (laughs) so like, like this, she's, we, we talked to her and she said she doesn't want to be found. And it's like, but Scientologists are incredibly wealthy. So if they wanted to just pay off LAPD and it's LAPD. I mean, I was so, about to say, they're like right. one of the most corrupt. Well, right. you, have, so, you have to keep in mind that Scientology was created by a science fiction writer mm-hmm. that wanted to get out of paying taxes. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's another thing. They do address how often like Scientology gets to go like under the wire. They never have to pay taxes because they establish themselves as a religion and they started like throwing like crosses in there and stuff just to kind of like get away with it mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, when you when you really look at it, some of the faiths and beliefs of Scientology are science fiction. They believe you yep. know gods are their alien or their aliens yep. are gods and yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's mess. Weird. Man, when I was working at Second and Charles, I was closing on a Sunday night one time, and like when I worked at Second and Charles, that was my second job my full-time job was working as a barista Uh so i would work opening shifts 
I'd have to be at work at 5.30 in the morning. I'd get off at 2. No, I'd get off at 1. And then I had to be at 2nd and Charles by 3. And then I'd close at 2nd and Charles. So I've already exhausted. I've had a full day of customer service. And then I'd go to 2nd and Charles. I remember I was working the buyback counter. And I walk in at 3 p.m. And there are these people hauling these boxes filled with their Scientology textbooks. Oh, God. They had, I think I saw 16 totes. These are like, oh these are God. like uh, big totes filled with their Scientology books that they hauled in. And I just like, I remember looking at, I think it was Justin or something. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, I can't do this. And then he like let them all bring their stuff in and he took their ID cards and he signed them in and stuff. And then after they left, he was like, I don't think we can buy these. <laughs> they brought us 16 boxes of these Scientology textbooks. And then he was like, yeah, we can't buy these. Like, so we weren't able to take like any of them. We were able to take, they had just some regular L. Ron Hubbard, like science. Like Dianetics. And buy, and right. But the actual like books that those people, you know, paid a ton of money for because that's part of Scientology. Mm. We didn't buy any of them. Mm. <laughs> Anyways, were that they was pissed? Right. I bet they were pissed. I didn't have to deal with that part Good. of it. Thank Good. God. But <laughs> okay. Sorry. I got way off track. Um, music. I've been listening to some random stuff. Um, Mother of Maladies by Marrow is a really good one. It's a female vocalist. She's amazing. I'd like to do a cover of that song. Um, there's another one called Dear Pressure by Miracles of Modern Science. Mm -hmm. That one has really great instrumentals. Um, Jumpers by Sleater Kinney. I went on a Sleater Kinney binge recently and I was just listening to them and they're just so amazing and badass and I wish I could have seen them live and then speaking of live there's a live album that Etta James did I think it's called Etta James Rocks the House mm -hmm. and I recently oh, yeah. was listening to that and so I have to recommend something's got a hold on me she's just so badass just like the way she screams it's so good so yes Etta James and then there's a song called, I thought this was appropriate for uh, National Poetry Month. There's a song called Choose Yourself by Starslinger. And Starslinger usually does like, um, they usually it, he usually like cribs other like old music and kind of does like a lo-fi kind of thing with it. But um, this one, he just like kind of gives a talk, like it's almost like a pep talk where he just does like these one li like little one line pep talks. And he's like this British accent. Anyways, it's really good. <laughs> Choose Yourself by Star Singer. And those are all my things. Good thing. Yay. Yay. Nice. And I, I don't know, Link, if you've ever seen this, but I do make, I make a playlist of all the songs from this episode. So I'll put like the songs that you recommended or the artists you recommended. And then I put those all in a giant playlist of all the songs we've ever recommended. So Oh, nice. Vf's big juicy playlist. <laughs> yeah. Big juicy playlist. I actually, I make show notes for the, um, for every episode and I link out um, where you can buy all the different books and stuff that we talk about. So you gave me a lot to, <laughs> to look up for this. No, but that's great. Um, it's okay. It'll take me like a week to edit. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But yeah, so this has been lots of fun. Mm -hmm. I've had a great time. Thanks for bearing I with our technical issues. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> so I enjoyed fun. it quite a bit. This was fun. This was very fun. Yeah, um, thank you so much for joining us, Link. Oh, my pleasure. And hopefully see you guys on Sunday. Yes. Yeah, you oh, will. You will. You will see um, us on do you have any social media or anything, anything that you want to plug at all to our listeners? 
Um, I just I have my Twitter feed, um, Professor LNS, okay, uh, on Twitter. Um, but actually, if you like, you know, follow the Dayton Poetry Slam at you know on it's uh, Dayton Poetry Slam on Facebook, uh, Dayton Poetry Slam on Instagram, and at Slam Dayton on Twitter. You don't want to follow me. I just do various rants between crap that's going on political, and there's been apparently there. Um, the Ohio Senate is drafting a voter suppression bill for oh, Ohio. I'm not surprised. I'm not That's actually sounding worse than Georgia. Oh, wow. So you would require two forms of ID to vote absentee or early, um, different ID rules for mail-in versus early in-person voting, eliminate all ballot drop boxes. It'll wow. cut days off of early voting. It'll ban pre-postage. Meaning that if you want to mail in your ballot early, you've got to buy your own stamp, which is also going up. Thank you, Trump yep. administration. Jesus. Never, never That's a dull so moment with people trying to hold on to what minuscule little power they have. It's ridiculous. It's craziness. God, so I need to go back to oh Disney music. I looked at news. That's my problem. I, I, whenever I opened up the news, because um, I just saw something come through, like trying to get my attention on Twitter. I'm like, yep, oh, that's the problem. I looked mm-hmm. it. I opened it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just why I deleted my Twitter last week, actually, because I kept falling down those political holes. And I was like, this is making me unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I I like to be informed. I get ranty even on Facebook. But yeah. like at a certain time, it's just sometimes it's too much, especially where we are right now as a society. It's like, oh, my God. My, my absorbing doctor, too much of it. My doctor took my phone one day. And changed my Twitter password because <laughs> my blood pressure was too high because I was getting stressed out. This is after yeah. Trump was elected, and she took my phone, changed my password, and emailed my pa- new password to my wife. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> said, you can give this back to him in a week. I moved all of my. This was last year. I moved all of my, um, all my like apps that stress me out. All my apps where I get my news or my fucking high school classmates opinions or whatever (laughs) i move those all to a folder that's like not on my homepage called stress box nice hard for me to get it but the thing is just the few swipes that it takes me to get over there i think about whether i want to actually open that app Mm -hmm. or not and it, it actually helped it really did i stopped using i almost completely stopped using instagram and i stopped using facebook as much as i had and yeah well i've never been on facebook i've just no i can't i don't want to bring that toxicity into my life twitter's bad enough instagram is weird like instagram stressed me out not because of politics but because of like it just like it almost promotes like lying about how good your life is and or envying other people's lives or creating creating a feed right creating a feed that other people will envy like that becomes the goal and that's not supposed to be the goal. That's yeah, like that's why like with the slam, all we do is post pictures from the show, and and right. you know and that's it. Like I don't, we don't use the Instagram page for anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I did the 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 worst things I did was I, I posted myself getting my COVID vaccines. And, <laughs> which is I did that with information on how to get people. yours. 
complain about all the pictures. I think it's good to like encourage people to go get their vaccines. You well, know? it's just the availability is not necessarily there. And it's definitely not. I mean, for God's sakes, Ohio had to create specific website for minorities to go to. Jesus. You know, it's it's and that I think that's what a lot of people were were getting upset over all the, okay. the photos and things like that, because it's it's very imbalanced um, in a lot of places, you know, even when the floodgates for most of Ohio is wide open. Oh, but, I, like, I mean, I like I like Instagram. I think that's one of my happy places, actually. But I think it also depends on who you're following. Like, yes, my friend Jess follows tons of like um instagram like models who are who have like manufactured beauty Uh so she's always like gosh i wish i looked like her and i'm always like she doesn't look like her exactly (laughs) you know paid for that right and i'm like the like i feel like if you're gonna get on websites like that you have to be careful of who you're following like i follow a bunch of plant people and like musicians and Mm -hmm. book like book what are they called bookstagrams Mm -hmm. And that's it. So, like, Instagram is a nice place for me. And, like, same with TikTok. Once they sort of get your algorithm together, I have nothing but, like, <laughs> people who are just like me <laughs> on TikTok making funny videos. So I think it just depends on what you're absorbing. Right. And I think a lot of people absorb these false lifestyles that people have, and they want those for themselves, but it's not realistic. Like, right. mm-hmm. The manufactured beauty standard is not realistic. Mm-hmm. I don't follow a lot of famous people. I follow a lot of bands. I don't follow a lot mm-hmm. of famous people. Like, I always get recommended Kylie Jenner, and I'm like, Ooh, I'll never follow. Why? I've never watched an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Right. Why would I want to follow this lady? Also, what about my page says Kylie Jenner? Right. You know. Right. Well, it's just because Kylie Jenner's paying for the paying for yeah, for them to be thing. out there. I mean. Every social media website has that. I mean, hell, you pay Google to get your name higher up in the search engines. And I said Google and my phone just woke up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. Well, are we going to sign off? Oh, yeah. <laughs> After we had our social media rant. Oh, yeah. Um, once again, Link, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my this genuine pleasure. The ball. Yes. Um, I'm Morgan. You can find me at certified underscore morganic on instagram i don't have twitter uh you can find me i'm aisha obviously <laughs> at iishug on twitter and or not twitter shit i deleted my twitter on instagram and tumblr uh i don't post anything on tiktok don't so it's not even tumblr. worth following <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, you know don't warning <laughs> probably don't do that but if you want to it's fine um so yeah and then we have our our Goodreads Twitter at grbf underscore pod. I almost fucked that up, but I <laughs> I saved it. <laughs> um, our <laughs> our Instagram is Goodreads underscore Better Friends. Our Tumblr, where you can find the show notes, is Goodreads Better Friends Pod at tumblr.com. We have another, and our Gmail, yeah, <laughs> is Goodreads Better Friends Podcast at gmail.com. Please feel free to email us with uh, well, just any thoughts you have. It's just what you're thinking about today. Um, we we would love to get your poetry, uh, flash fiction, art, photography, whatever. We want to share your art with our followers. So if you ever want to send us anything, please do. We'd love to hear from you. Especially if you're a smaller local business. We really, really want to gas you up. So you can send us an email. We'll That's post some it. things for you. All right. Yeah.
Thank you for listening. Thank you, Link, for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye. Take care.